0: And um, we try to tackle some of the real tough subjects like we did in the last half hour. Sometimes it's a lighter, entertaining interview. And at times, I frankly have to admit, I'm not sure where it goes. And that's sometimes the fun of radio. With us is Edward Slingerland. He's a professor of philosophy at the University of of British Columbia. Professor, great to meet you. Great to talk with you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's just after nine o'clock in Vancouver, just after 11, where I am in Winnipeg. Um, have Have you had a cocktail just to prepare for the interview?
1: <laughs> I've had, uh, yeah, a glass or two of wine at dinner with some
0: colleagues. And I ask that because... Um, You've studied this in, in many contexts, but, but I would also say in reading some of your work here is that when we look at history, there is a real relationship between um, alcohol, uh, those who have write, written and shaped history, and I, I, I guess um, alcohol can cause all sorts of things. And it has hasn't it
1: it It is a very important cultural technology that humans have been using for as long as we've been doing anything in an organized way as a species. So we've been producing and consuming alcohol for at least twenty thousand years and probably much longer um, way before we had agriculture so yeah it's 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 a ancient and ubiquitous human practice. And, and part of the point of my recent book, Drunk, is to argue that um, there has to be a reason for that. There has to be—alcohol has, has to be doing something for us to have been preserved as a behavior for so long. So let's
0: go down that path. Let, 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 let's— Kind of look at a little bit of the history here, the influences and why. And and I'm interested, you know, what interest you had in this because, and have in this simply because I I think that at some point we all have baggage. We all go through something and then we have those uh uh-huh moments and then boom, we realize this is so very interesting and you start to really get into it. So talk about that.
1: Yeah, so um I'm interested in this topic because I I my specialties are early Chinese philosophy and I look at this uh, early Chinese views about the power of spontaneity and how important it is to be in the zone, lose a sense of yourself, relax into the situation. And the tensions that come with that, so they these early Chinese thinkers want you to be spontaneous, but there 's a tension I call it the paradox of trying not to try how do you how do you try to be relaxed? how do you try to be spontaneous and they have various techniques for getting you around this tension, um, you know breathing exercises, meditation, rituals. But it occurred to me that one of the the functions of alcohol, the reason we've had it as a technology for so long, is that it might be a, a chemical way around this tension. Um, so you need to get into a state of relaxation, of trust, of creativity. Uh, it's hard to consciously will yourself into that state. And so so one way around that problem is to have a substance that can basically go into your brain and turn parts of it down a couple notches <laughs> in a way that's helpful for certain purposes. Loosen you up. Loosen you up, um, you know, relax your mind. So so the, the functions of alcohol that I document in the book, um, there, there are many. The, the two big ones really are um, first creativity. So there's a, you know, everywhere you look around the world throughout history there's been this association of alcohol with poets and artists, and, um, creative types. And, and there's a reason for that. So one of the functions of the ethanol, the, the functional, um, component of, of alcoholic beverages is to down regulate, to turn down a couple notches, the prefrontal cortex, which is a very important, important part of our brain. It's, it's the center of our ability to focus on things, get things done, to you know narrow our attention and get to work on time and finish our projects. Um, but the the prefrontal cortex actually interferes with creativity. Where when we're engaged, when our prefrontal cortex is engaged, we are not very seeing uh, new possibilities, thinking outside the box. And so one of the, one of the functions of alcohol is to temporarily. Turn that part of the brain down a couple notches so that we can relax into seeing connections that we wouldn't see normally. Hmm.
0: And in some, it can really be productive. And we've seen that and documented in your book. But so often we talk about the other impact, the one that gets us into trouble.
1: Yeah. So we tend, our discourse around alcohol right now is focused solely on the dangers and there are many. I mean, the, the the premise of the book is that alcohol is so dangerous. There has to be a reason that we keep using it. Um, so the dangers are real. Uh, it's, it's damaging. You know, uh, this recent uh, Lancet article is arguing that no one under 40 mm-hmm. should consume alcohol. There was a, a Lancet article in 2019 that argued that no one of any age should consume any alcohol. And and they're right. So, from a purely the problem with our discourse around alcohol is it's been conducted th- solely in a medical context. So it's 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 only talking about the physiological impacts. And if that's all we're concerned with, alcohol is a net negative. It's um, it causes liver damage, raises risk of cancer. It's uh, it's fattening. <laughs> it um, it's estimated that up to fifteen percent of the human population is genetically prone to alcoholism. So it has a lot of difficulty consuming alcohol safely, and then that can lead to all sorts of social problems. Um, it's a it's a very dangerous, addictive, physiologically harmful substance, and yet all cultures either use, use alcohol, most cultures use alcohol, and the ones that don't use other chemical intoxicants that have very similar functions. And so um, one of the things we need to do, I think, is break out of this purely medical perspective and start to understand what the positive benefits are that, that at least in some cases, pay for the cost.
0: Is there a good example in history that you can say, aha, this is... Uh, An individual who contributed and was able to use alcohol in whatever shape or form. But without that, we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had, you know, this fundamental part of history. Is there somebody you can think of?
1: Well, not individuals, but you can certainly look at cultures. So, um, one of the, you know, the standard story about alcohol is that we had agriculture first. And then, as a kind of accident, we figured out how, to, you know, if we left our sourdough starter for a little while right. longer, it would ferment. Um, that's been turned on its head. So since the 1950s, there's been a movement in archaeology that's sometimes called the beer before bread um, movement that's that's argued that it's actually the other way around. So humans started to settle down and get interested in cultivating plants because of their psychoactive properties. And so um, if you look at the site Gobekli Tepe in present-day Turkey, this is a place where hunter-gatherers are coming together from, you know, wide-ranging areas on the site. They're building monumental religious architecture of some kind. We're not sure exactly what it means or what they were doing there. They were having feasts, these enormous feasts, and they were consuming liquids. And we don't actually have chemical residue, so we don't know what was being served from these huge vats. But it, it almost certainly was, was beer. And so, um, you know, the earliest examples we have of humans cooperating on a large scale, so getting beyond just kind of family and, you know, some, some friends, small hunter-gatherer bands, all of these instances are, are made possible or fueled by this kind of um, social glue. Um, which which alcohol brings it, it. So the one function is creativity. The other function is reducing our inhibitions, um, raising our pro-social feelings through enhancing certain hormones that help us feel better about ourselves and about other people, um, and making by downregulating the prefrontal cortex. It also makes us uh, harder for us to to lie or fake things or cheat. Other people. And so it's a kind of um, cognitive disarmament that helps us trust one another. So every instance we know of where people have kind of scaled up and created something that's starting to look like civilization, uh, alcohol is there.
0: Edward Slingerland is with us. He is uh, the author of How We Sip, Dance, and Stumbled Our Way to Civilization. Drunk. We'll continue the conversation and why we drink in a moment. I'm Richard, in for Ben. Please stay with us. Richard Cluche, in for Ben. Great to have you with us. First of its kind study in the world found that people under the age of 40 risk their health if they drink more than a few sips of beer or wine per day. And it recommends that young people not drink alcohol at all. The findings are part of a wider global burden of disease study. This is a comprehensive research program that started back in the 1990s by the World Bank to address disability and mortality on a global scale. The analysis on alcohol consumption funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, published in The Lancet on the 14th of July, it's the first study on alcohol use that breaks down risks by geographic region, age, sex, and year. We're joined uh, by a professor of philosophy at UBC, someone who has um, written extensively and researched extensively on this. Professor Edward Slingerland is with us. And Professor, it, it gets to the notion, and I'm thinking, you know, about the report, the conversation that we've had, your work on this area. And I'm wondering if there was a world without alcohol, um, how many lives would be saved? But I'm just wondering, based on what you have uh, found, is whether or not would be we would we, we would be cutting off the creativity of of people and in some cases the progress of civilizations. How do we begin to tackle that question? We
1: tackle it by looking at the actual functions of alcohol instead of just looking at the costs and the physiological impact. So an analogy, I mean, imagine a Lancet study that showed that, which it would, that automobile use is a net negative. No one under 40 should drive a motor vehicle, which is true. I mean, we would, we would reduce deaths if everyone just stopped driving. <laughs> or if we just had, you know, whatever, 30 mile an hour speed limits everywhere, we would reduce deaths. Uh, and yet we don't we still drive cars, we still fly in airplanes. Um, And we do this because we understand that there are benefits that we'd be foregoing if we didn't engage in these activities. So we do a cost-benefit analysis. We decide, well, we'll we'll accept a certain amount of cost because we're getting these benefits. The the problem with our discussion around alcohol is it's completely one-sided and stunted because we actually don't, we're not talking about any of the benefits. And it's odd, because I think many of us have a kind of intuitive sense that, you know, there's a reason we have a couple glasses of wine at dinner with some colleagues um, when we're trying to come up with a new idea for a grant application. Um, There's People have a sense that there's a functional role that alcohol is playing in their lives but no one's really documented it and so that that's part of what i'm trying to correct in and drunk is is trying to say look uh there's another side of the equation there's a reason that these behaviors have been part of human society if we never had alcohol we would we would have fewer deaths from you know alcohol poisoning and uh the cancers caused by alcohol and we wouldn't have the scourge of alcoholism um would we have civilization in the way we have it now i'm not sure um there really is something special about the way that alcohol uh both reduces our cognitive focus in a way that's positive when it comes to to thinking outside the box kind of lateral thinking creativity and there's also something really crucial about the way that alcohol relaxes our cognitive defenses and allows us to to work through cooperation dilemmas and other types of challenges that we have when you know we're, we're primates we're 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 basically kind of selfish primates who want to mm-hmm. you know favor ourselves and our relatives and our friends and yet we live in a way that looks a lot more like social insects we look like bees or ants when you look at the scale on which we cooperate the the magic of how that happens is is puzzling and part i think part of the story is alcohol and other chemical intoxicants
0: you can follow him on twitter at slingerland20 and, and i also think about and we have about a minute left here the hypocrisy over this debate when we compare you know alcohol to the other you know harder drugs that we have we have banned outright and just our attitudes towards that it's just you know i i shake my head at thinking of this too
1: yeah but there's an odd kind of puritanism involved in our discussions about um, both in you know academia and 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 public policy we're uncomfortable with it. Um, and, and it's not inc- entirely clear why. So I'm hoping that part of the, the impact of my book will allow us to, um, just have a, a broader conversation. And it may be the case that, you know, you're aware of the benefits of alcohol, you you know see the creativity boost, you see the boost in kind of bonding and social trust. And you say, you know what, costs are too high. We don't want it in our We don't want it. I don't want it personally in my life. And, and that would be potentially a rational decision. But right now, we're flying blind. We actually are making decisions without any knowledge of what's on the other side of the spreadsheet. and And that's what I'm trying to correct.
0: The author of Drunk. Professor, a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you so very much. Be well.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.